0: Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. We're missing my usual co-host today, Stephanie Hubka, the Vice President of Membership and Outreach. And we also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations as our producer. For this episode, we're interviewing Frank Cespedes. Welcome, Frank.
1: Thank you very much, Christina. My pleasure to be here.
0: Now, before we dive into the topic, which I love this one, um, it's near and dear to my heart. Can you share a little bit about your background with our listeners?
1: Uh, I'd be happy to. It is not particularly uh, exotic. Uh, I um, was a uh, professor at Harvard's business school for about 10 years, made my way up the hierarchy. Then I left with some others. We started. I ran a business for 10 years and we got lucky. Uh, You know, when need be, I can spin that a different way, but it was indeed dumb luck. We uh, sold at the right (laughs) time. Harvard called me back up, said, how'd you like to be a professor again? And I've been doing that uh, for the last uh, nine years. So that's pretty much who I am.
0: Awesome. Well, and I'm sure we will learn more as we dive into this. Let's let's level set first with... I know we know what a performance review is, but could you define it in the way that we're speaking about it today?
1: Well, I mean, I think a performance review, uh, when it's conducted properly, always has two goals, two purposes. One is obviously a reasonably accurate, but also actionable evaluation of that person's performance for that job and the key tasks in that job. And then the second goal is development of that person's skills in line with those tasks. Now, performance reviews, in my experience, are among the most unpopular activities in companies. Uh, Like clockwork, once a year, you're going to see an article, usually in the Harvard Business Review, (laughs) let's get rid of performance reviews. I think that is a deep deep mistake. Uh, there's value in a performance review for both parties. Uh, for the recipients, what we know from decades of research about how people develop, how they learn as adults, the research tells us that adult mo- most of adult learning is on the job learning, learning involved with the tasks that you do. Now, as a professor, I hate to say this. I hope you won't broadcast it. But on-the-job learning is about 70% of learning. What you get from courses, training seminars, the stuff people like I, uh, like me do, that's about 15%. And the remaining 15% is what you do outside of work, your hobbies, your interests, the things you love outside of work that you bring to work directly or indirectly. The other reason it's important uh, for recipients is that feedback is key to development. Uh, What uh, the researchers call deliberate practice is fundamental in virtually all adult tasks. In other words, we get better, not through holistic uh, judgments about us as people, but about specific things that we practice. That's what a performance review should do. You really need to get better about this, that sort of thing. For the giver of feedback, the manager, the supervisor, the boss—whatever you want to call that person—reviews uh, are a key part of leadership. Whatever else leadership is, it's about getting things done through others. And reviews are getting are key to getting people to practice the right things, prioritize the right tasks and opportunities, and very, very important in organizations. Clarify the accountabilities that need to be owned by the individual versus the manager or the company. Uh, I'd also point out one last thing uh, in answer to that question. For the person giving the review, a review, and this is what I learned when I left academia and, and ran a company, the review is key to knowing what's really going on in the organization. Uh, and I think, especially in an era where we talk, you know, very glibly about big data, artificial intelligence, etc., uh, I, I, we we sometimes fail to realize that most of the really important data in a company is not in the CRM system. It's not in the IT databases. It's locked in the heads of people, and that information only becomes visible in a dialogue, in a conversation through what we tend to call a performance review. So it's fundamental to both tasks. And it's a big, big mistake to say, let's get rid of them because they're unpopular. Uh, Some things are important, even if they're not fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now, I I would love to get into best practices for how to conduct them. But before we do, I'm almost thinking maybe a level set of at the organizational level, because I have seen just personally, and as a consultant, so many different types of performance reviews. Like some people, it's like knowledge, skills, abilities, or behaviors. Yeah. Or is there a, a a best practice for a? First of all, what's on the performance review before we get into best practices? You know, and
1: how the, to them. the business I ran um, because of the nature of what we did. I you know I won't go into that. I probably saw more of those frameworks templates than anyone, you know literally yeah. thousands. And I'd say two things it may sound, uh, may sound contradictory, Christina, but I don't think they are. One is the vast majority of those templates are saying the same thing in slightly different language. So let's not mm-hmm. let's not confuse the basics, the perennials with you know semantic differences. I think you're, the other part of your question, though, is really about, is there a single sort of way to assess and do a review? Yes. And there, I think the answer is definitively no. And yeah. the reason, I'm going to get back to what I said about one of the key goals for a performance review. The performance review is about that individual person in relation mm-hmm. to the key tasks for that job. Now, Two things. One is what we know about performance in organizations. Plato was wrong. There are no Platonic ideals of mm-hmm. performance. Performance is performance only if it's performance in your organization, with the key tasks there in your market, with your products, etc. It is very, very context specific. And yes. really part of the purpose of being a manager is to move beyond whatever are the, the is the rhetoric of the review and apply it to, behaviorally to that person. So I, I don't think yeah. I, I don't think there's one way to do it and, f- and frankly I think chasing some platonic ideal of a performance review is is a mistake that uh, companies often nice. make.
0: Yes, I totally agree so i that actually perfectly leads us into let's let's start with the the supervisors the leaders of the organization uh, from their perspective best practices for conducting um, a performance review and then we'll switch and look from the employee perspective
1: all right well i mean in, in the actual conduct of the review as opposed to preparing for the review which i think is very very important but yeah. in the actual conduct of a performance review i i'd cite uh three things uh one is a review should be a dialogue right it should mm-hmm. be a two way conversation not only because that tends to be polite uh that's that's really not the point but it's a dialogue because the review should also for the manager test his or her assumptions and perceptions here's the data i'm using to say this this is what i've observed here's my examples now what am i missing is it is it a question of resources? Is it that you you, know, you don't really understand our priorities? You know, let me know. So in that sense, it has to be a dialogue. the The second thing uh, is that a review is ultimately about behaviors. Now, yes. this I think is very important because both, in my personal experience with organizations. Uh, and, frankly, with a lot of what you read about performance reviews, mo- most performance reviews are basically sermons. They're saying to people, get better at <laughs> sales, which is an area I know a lot about. You know, hey, you should sell more. Gee, I didn't think about that. I should get better <laughs> and sell more. That's not. That's not really... Of, of what the performance review is about. It has to be about behaviors. It has to be about things that I can change. I am not going to get born again after a performance review. So it has to be a behavioral. And it's important, I think, for the manager to do that because broad judgments about a person, you know, you're a terrible communicator or, or something like that, that. What that tends to do with most people is increase feelings of defensiveness and resistance as opposed to making people open to behavioral uh, change. Then the uh, third uh, best practice that I'd cite is what I call, so what now what? And what I mean by that is that a, a review is ultimately incomplete without a discussion of next steps. And it's the manager's responsibility, not the recipient's responsibility to get that closure. Now, what are we going to do about this? One of the problems in many organizations is that very often after a review, if you ask what happens, the answer is nothing happens, yeah. and you can see the cycle that is built up. Uh, you know, the, the the recipient becomes more cynical about this. It's yet another rite of passage, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. So, closure, follow up. Let's check in again in three months about what we talked about here, how I can help you with that, what you're running into. That, I think, is the third element that I'd cite as as best practice.
0: I love that. I love the what, so what, and now what. Reflection process, problem solving, coaching, so much there. Now, you mentioned uh, preparation. Before we get to employee, can you talk about preparation?
1: Well, I mean, the the first and most important thing uh, is in someone's ongoing work with the people that report to them or work with them, uh, managers must first make clear the standards by which performance will be judged. And by that, I mean what is important and how much I should expect. And those standards include the key tasks, but ethical standards, whatever else uh, is relevant. Now, that may sound obvious, but it is often simply not done for a couple of systematic reasons. Uh, New managers are either unsure or uninformed about how, how their unit's goals align with the broader organizational strategy. Uh, Experienced managers over time may have lost touch with the market or changes in their organization's strategy. And in many organizations, especially growing organizations, over time, management turnover results in mixed signals to people about performance standards and criteria. Now, what I'm about to say, when I say it may sound glib, but uh, it's my standard advice to CEOs and other senior executives, and it's very important. They get it. Um, Listen, I don't care how good you think you are as a leader or how good you think your people are. I guarantee that neither you nor they are mind readers. This is done through (laughs) the medium of language. It must be articulated. So. In ongoing work, making clear the standards, I think is is number one, and then number two is performance reviews are about what people do for a living. Uh, it's often about their job assignments, about their career progression. You know, will or I or won't I get that uh, that next job? Those are important topics, and those topics take time to discuss. So this is a calendar issue make time on your calendar to avoid quickie, what I call drive-by reviews that can oh, leave yeah. people feeling confused or very often simply unvalued. Right? I mean, geez, they didn't even yeah. have the time to, to, to tell me about X, Y, or Z. And then the third thing is my point again and again about behavior. Um, managers must pay attention to their people's behavior Throughout, not as many do. You know, I got to give yeah. Christina a performance review next week. I better start paying attention. That's not the <laughs> yeah. way to do it. You, you have to have an ongoing uh, cadence. So, I think uh, those are the things you do beforehand. I don't think they're rocket science, but you know, as Shakespeare wrote, uh, it's they're they're more often honored in the breach than the observance, and that's a big, big deal.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so let's switch then uh, to the perspective of the employee. What are best practices for them to prepare for and be a part of the actual performance?
1: Well, I mean, I think number one, uh, you know, um, uh, it, uh, Tolstoy, the great Russian novelist Tolstoy uh, says this in, in one of his uh, novels, it is impossible to learn what you believe you already know. I mean, that's that's sort <laughs> yeah. of important, you know. Um uh, a part of a performance review, if we if we accept my two goals, it's about an evaluation of performance in line with key tasks, and it's also about development. Uh, you know, at a certain point you need mouth shut, ears open to get feedback. So you either open to that or you're not. That's that's number one. Number two, I think, and this gets to the dialogue part. Um don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to question the jargon. I, I remember um, one of the very first performance reviews I got. I got my MBA, I was working for a uh, consulting firm, and um, the person uh, giving me the review, who I now realize in retrospect was not that much older than I was at the time, didn't really know that much more than the new employee. But basically what he said to me is, you know, Frank, you do the work very, very well. You know, as a research person do, doing the a- analytics, he said, but you have to act more like a leader. Now, I'm 24 years old, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> not uh, I have no clue but like most people that age at that level, I nod my head sagely as though I know what he's talking about. And the reality is I did not change a thing. All right. So, you yeah. know, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to be able to ask. And by the way, if you have a boss where you can ask, sooner or later, you want to get out of Dodge. The single best way to have your career put on hold is to have either a boss who's a micromanager or someone who you know is 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 not open uh, to that. Yeah. Um, and then I think the third thing is uh, you know if you're if you're the recipient of the feedback, to understand that this is both about feedback and development. If you want to get ahead, yeah. recognize how adults learn. And, you know, that gets us back to Tolstoy. It's impossible to learn what you think you already know. Yeah.
0: Oh, well stated. Well, and I already heard um, some common mistakes in there. And I know one uh, common mistake with performance reviews that I have noted is what uh, it's a surprise. Yeah right? So they haven't heard that feedback before.
1: What are some other ones that you've yeah. noted? But, you know, that's a very important point. You know, we're now, um, if you look at many tech firms, you know, they, they benefited from low interest rates, etc. They treated people, you know, I mean, if you want some of the best meals in America, don't go mm. don't go to a fancy DC restaurant, you know, go to the Google cafeteria. As <laughs> yeah. those companies lay off people, I guarantee you, There are thousands of people who feel not only surprised, but mugged precisely because the reviews were sort of uh, drive-by reviews. Mm -hmm. What are the other common mistakes? I think what I I call them three confusions. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. The first is confusing a review. This is probably the most common mistake I see. Confusing a review with an up or down compensation announcement. Mm. You will or won't get the race. That's a separate discussion. So, the single best thing organizations can do is separate the comp or promotion discussion from the evaluative and developmental review. That's number one. Number two, I think, is confusing someone who may be a poor fit for one job with an overall judgment about that person's capabilities. Again, in organizations, performance is very, very context specific. And my favorite example of this, again, it's the area uh, that, you know, I, I teach. I, I I think I know something about in business. Sales, business development, one of the core activities uh, in any for-profit uh, organization. Talk to almost any executive in that function who's had a decade or more of experience. They will all have had the experience of hiring someone who is clearly a star at organization X in the same industry. And somehow when she got to our company, it wasn't the same. Now, step back and think about that. It is not as though that person suddenly got stupid or lost their capabilities. But when you move from organization X to organization Y, you've got to rebuild all the internal relationships. you got to understand the culture. You have to know how we do things here, not there. That, I think, is what I mean by fit. And a lot of people confuse someone who's a poor fit for that particular job with some overall assessment of their capabilities, not the same thing this this may be another job that's uh, relevant and then I think the third um, uh, mistake is confusing motivation, which is indeed a key goal of a performance review if you're a manager, you want to you want to approach a performance review with a very positive intent about that person. Now, I want to be very clear about this. If you don't have that positive intent, if you think that you know issues of uh, capability, skills overwhelm anything else, you're not doing a performance review. That's a different conversation. You should be having a conversation about moving that person out of the job. But the third mistake I see is confusing motivation, a legitimate goal of a performance review with the absence of feedback. Well, I don't want to give them feedback about things where they're weak or need to get better because that's a downer, you know, it won't motivate. No, no, no. People want that feedback. Uh, they yes. do. Uh, and that I think is, is the third thing I'd mention uh, about the mistakes.
0: Nice. Now, I cannot believe how fast the time has flown. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I know people are going to want to learn more. So can you maybe share some information about your recent book?
1: Uh, Well, there is a, there is a chapter in a, in a book I published last year. It's called uh, sales management that works. It's about sales, Mm -hmm. but you'll see the first four or five chapters are about basic. Yes. Sales is still about people. They're about basic people management skills, including a chapter on uh, performance uh, reviews. I also there's also a, a Harvard Business Review article I published last year. Uh, I think they gave it the title "How to Conduct a Great uh, Performance Review," where where I've articulated some of what uh, Christina you've quite rightly been asking uh, me about. So uh, that's my plug for my um, uh, work.
0: Awesome. And where would uh, people go to get
1: this? Uh, You can. The Mm -hmm. book is published by Harvard Business Review Press. The article is by Harvard Business Review. I also have a a a website the way many authors do. But I have to confess, I haven't been to that website in probably two years. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, there's also LinkedIn. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those would be the uh, the standard places to find someone these days. Excellent. All right. Well,
0: to finish up, we have three rapid fire questions we like to ask every guest. They're quick and easy. You ready? Yep. Okay. Uh, Obviously, we need to read your book. But in addition to that, what is one book that everyone must
1: read and why? Um, Limited to one book, I would cite a book that Peter Drucker, I, I don't know how many of our listeners remember. Peter Drucker. I mentioned Peter Drucker to a a class of MBAs I was teaching last year. And it was like, I said, Julius Caesar, Uh, but you know, (laughs) Peter Drucker, famous uh, management uh, guru wrote a book. Oh, it must be 60 plus years ago. It's called, it's a thin book. It's called the effective executive. It's a book that in theory is one of these self-help books about time management, you know, book about seven or eight of those a year. But Drucker, because he was so darn smart, so wise, Um, it's a book really about setting priorities, about how is it that you think about setting priorities? What's the dialogue relevant to decision making? So that would be the one book I recommend, Drucker, The Effective Executive. Awesome. Okay,
0: so what is one tool, and you can define that however you'd like, that you can't live without?
1: Um, I'm not a particularly fancy person. The the one tool would, for me, would be email on every single device I have. That, that, that's about it.
0: <laughs> that way you can stay in touch with the world, that's right? right. Precise. There you go. <laughs> okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Um, the best piece of advice I've ever been given was given to me years and years ago. By um, uh, an executive. And he said, now you remember, no one pays as much attention to you as you do. And um, (laughs) I found that advice both liberating and sobering. It's liberating, Mm, especially when you're young, you know, you're self-conscious. Oh, my God, I look what I did in that presentation. And what he made me realize is that a week, maybe a day later, no one cares. They're living their life. They're not living yours. So it's liberating in that sense. It gives you the freedom to to sort of fail and do it again. Um, It is also sobering because I think it is true. I think there are very, very few people on this planet who wake up in the morning and say, you know, my job in life is to make Christina Eames or Frank Cespedes a better person (laughs) <laughs> ultimately, and this is relevant to our topic today, Christina, ultimately, yeah. the, the only person who's really responsible for your development is you. You need to be yes. proactive. So no one pays as much attention to you as you do. That's the advice I'd say. Yeah.
0: Oh, Great advice. Well, Frank, we are so happy you joined us today. Thank you for making the time. Thank
1: you very, very much. My pleasure.
0: Well, and of course, we want to thank our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges.
1: Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities.
0: Would you like to be even more involved in our wonderful community? Go to
1: dcatd.org and click on Volunteer to get started.